0: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Backers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.
1: Gets it going, doesn't it? Great track. Uh, all part of Sports Day WA with Peter Vlahos here on this Wednesday. Shortly, we'll get to know Bobby Despotovski very well. But as we know, Sir Rod Stewart is coming to Australia in a big concert early next year. And comes a story, of course, he's a big Celtic fan, Sir Rod Stewart. And it's come to light that every time Celtic beat Rangers, he buys a crate of Australian wine and gives it to manager Ange Postacoglu. So the wrinkly rocker has been doing that ever since Ange took over because he's just a mad Celtic fan and, of course, has used Celtic in some of his songs that Ange would have a few crates of great Australian wine because they've beaten uh, Rangers quite a few times in the last couple of years. Good old rock and rod, Stewart. I'm just wondering if Bobby Despotovski ever got gifts like that in his time. As we get to know the Australian soccer champion... Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. Yeah, Bobby Despotovsky, good afternoon to you. How are you, Pete? How are you? Do you ever get any crates of wine for doing anything special on a soccer field like Rod Stewart has given Ange Postecoglou?
0: No, I remember once we get um, a port. I think <laughs> somebody down Margaret River did a port with um, some of the... Um, uh, faces of the players of the glory. Is that only. right? So it wasn't bad. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think I still have a um, a bottle somewhere <laughs> in my house. I heard Lydia, your wife,
1: bought about 15 bottles and she's kept them at home. Don't worry about that. Uh, of course... Uh, she,
0: wasn't a, she wasn't probably did that. Um, my father-in-law probably did that. Ah, oh, yes,
1: Sam. <laughs> Good old Sam, who I know very well, too. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: uh, of course, Bobby Despotovsky holds the all-time goal-scoring record for the Perth Corps. Just an outstanding footballer. Won the Johnny Warren medal in the season of 2004-2005. But we want to get to know you a bit better, Bobby. Um... And you know the early days. You were born in July 1971. You were born here in Perth, but I believe that your mum got a bit homesick, and of course you went back to then, your native Yugoslavia as a young fella.
0: Yeah, that's correct. Yes, um, she was homesick, and uh, she took me back. I was nine months old baby. Um, back then, um, I lived there all up to 1992. When I served the army, and um, you know the war started, and uh, I wasn't prepared for the war mm. or going into the into the fighting, and I went into the Australian embassy, took my passport, and um, escaped.
1: Yeah, so you served in the Yugoslav People's Army during those Yugoslav wars. Uh, tell us about that experience.
0: Oh, look, you know what? Um, going in the army was um, was not bad experience. You know, it's. Uh, uh all um, your childhood, you're you, you playing with guns, you know, toy guns and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, you're going to the army and it's, uh, there is the real thing right in front of you. So, so we took it sort of a, as a play. Mm. And, um, you know, only when the war started and, um, you know, the... Uh, Reality hit home, and um, you know it wasn't it wasn't pleasant. You know, some people went onto the onto the front lines and stuff like that. I was lucky enough not to go, mm. but uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't pleasant. Did you have any
1: uh, friends or relations that served during those uh, turbulent years in your former homeland?
0: Yeah, my um, my cousins, um, first cousins, they were in um, in in army uh, when the bombardment of uh, NATO happened. So, yeah, they were were sort of a fighting against
1: the NATO. Yeah, amazing. In one
0: one hand. Bobby, when you look at that, uh, you
1: did play football while you were growing up there in the former Yugoslavia. Uh, Tell us about that experience because I even played junior football for a a very big name in world football for many years, Red Star Belgrade. Tell us about those early years.
0: Oh, look, you know what? uh, um, Every single uh, child in... um, in the former Yugoslav uh, countries, uh, is uh, aspiring to be a footballer, and they want to uh, make living out of the out of football. So that's uh, I, I wasn't I wasn't any any different than that. But um, you know, it was it was very hard. Yaka, you need to be identified by the scouts, and uh, and then you have to be invited to the to the academy. And obviously, they spend a lot of a uh, lot of uh, time, money, and effort to um, to produce one of the one of the players you know from those academies that can play for Red Star and then maybe further further their career into the European leagues mm. but um, yeah, it was it was fun it was uh, it was uh, structured from uh, early days obviously um, we because we lived close to Belgrade we always travel to training and, and school um, obviously the people that are not so fortunate they had sort of a hotel there for the kids, like a hostel where all the meals are prepared for you. You're going to normal school plus after school you've got trainings and, and stuff like that. So it's like a soccer school.
1: Yeah. So saying that, you know, growing up uh, in the former Yugoslavia, apart from the end when the war started, uh, you enjoyed your childhood?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. First of all, I, I grew up in the era where mobile phones would not no, no exist. And even... even even the computers were, you know, Commodore 64 was the most advanced computer at that point. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, you know how far back that is going. So, you know, it's um, it was it was nice and free, I guess. You know, we we made our fun. We had the soccer ball and chased it all day long, and uh, you know, it was um, it was fun.
1: Saying that, uh, and we really have got no exposure to this sport. That's very strong in Europe and particularly in the old communist countries uh, that we know. Uh, of course, it doesn't exist anymore. The communism has broken down. But the sport of handball, which is big in Europe, Bobby, I believe at one stage uh, you showed a lot of potential in that sport and you had to make a decision.
0: Yeah, yeah. I played the handball coincide with uh, with soccer in the early days. And um, only when I um, became you know, 17, 18, 19 years of age, um, when I was really pushing for um uh, and playing in the first team of um, in the second division. Uh, only then I had to make a decision to, um, to one has to give give way to the other. And um, you know I chosen to play um, to play football rather than than handball. But uh, yeah, I played coincidentally um, on Saturday I play handball and on Sunday I play soccer, mm. which was um, which was great fun. You know it's uh, it's uh, it's a game that is played can be played indoor and outdoor. You know the, the the field is twenty by forty meters long, and it's uh, it's massive in 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 Europe. Yeah, and there's a lot of running in it, isn't there? It's 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 running. It's a, it's a smaller, shorter sort of a run, but it's uh, it's sprint and it's very physical. Mm. Bobby, uh,
1: the family came back out to Australia. You came to Western Australia and played with Florida Athena for a while, but then you went to Victoria, played in the NSL there. Uh, with a couple of clubs, uh, so you're a bit nomadic. You're trying to find your way into football in Australia before you got a call from the Perth Glory general manager Roger Lafour to come back to Perth. Tell us through that period what were you searching for.
0: Yeah, look, you know what, um, uh, I um, I went there on the, um, advice to go and trial for um, for Heidelberg, and um, I went there. And they they wanted me to sign, so. So what happened with, uh, with those, it's obviously at that time, there is no Perth glory and there is no National League in, in in Perth or WA. So all the players that wanted to play National League or the highest level in Australia, they had to leave and go over east. So I did exactly that. I think before me was, um, you know, even in the early days, it was Gary Marocchi that uh, first went over and, uh, and the players like that. So I followed suit and uh, went to Heidelberg, to Melbourne. And a year and a half or two there. Uh, in between my sort of a journey over there um, playing football, I just wanted to, to prove to people that I, that, I, that I come from the different sort of a background of football and that I can, I can, I can play on the highest level here in Australia. So that, that was sort of a, my motivation. Um, behind behind everything.
1: Of course, you led the Perth Glory attack when you came back in the inaugural season. They were very, very uh, heady days. There were people, uh, thousands coming through to see the likes of Bobby Despotowski score goals and you score goals regularly for the glory when you return, particularly in that first season. But Bobby, can I take you to maybe when you made more headlines than ever before? Uh, when you were involved in the centre of a controversy in May 2001. It was against the Melbourne Knights, uh, who are basically supported by the Croatian community, and you're playing for the Perth Glory. And you gave a gesture that reportedly became a bit offensive. Um, Can you take us back all those years, and would you have taken that back if you had your time over again?
0: No, look... um uh, the gesture I did, the, that I did is uh, used every day, and now it's uh, it's uh, prominent and used by by Novak Djokovic and the Serbian team. So now all of a sudden that gesture becomes not offensive to uh, to Croatian people. Um, but yeah, at that, at that time, at that time, uh, I was a scapegoat um, for them to do something stupid, uh, which they did, and um, you know there is no problem there the the one thing that um is uh, stuck in my mind that uh, you know Bernstein, as a coach suffered the consequence of that by uh, by supporters kicking him and uh, spitting on him and uh, yes. obviously the paint paint the picture very very sort of a bad picture for uh, mm. for Australian football in um, what's what's happening in Australian football here yes. obviously in m- more recent years we've seen the sydney united club In the FSA Cup, only recently, two months ago, got uh, heavily fined and uh, condemned on 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 the um, social media and on the on the TV by all the commentators, and uh, you know that wasn't too far from uh, what happened in the early days of the NSL when I was
1: playing. Yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it, Bobby? And, in fact, I played a bit of this audio uh, and it just wouldn't be tolerated now 20 years on from that uh, incident. Harry Merkska, who was the Melbourne Knights president, and he said this when he was interviewed after the event. Have a listen to this. This is ridiculous.
0: Like going into a synagogue and a salute with a Hitler's... uh, Hi, Hitler's uh, greeting.
1: Yeah, That was just, uh, that wouldn't be tolerated now. And, of course, then there was talk about suspending you uh, because of what happened. And then you were on 6PR, and I was working at the time, and you made this comment regarding uh, if you were going to be suspended or not.
0: If I'm suspended, then the Mel- Melbourne Knights would be kicked out of the league.
1: So it was, it was uh, pretty strong, and there was even uh, thoughts that, and I know that you just continued on with your business, uh, the professional that you were. But you know, Roger Lafort came out as a general manager saying that there'd, there'd been a couple of death threats uh, come your way. It was a pretty uncomfortable time, wasn't it?
0: Look, it was um, it was uncomfortable because of those um, death threats and stuff like that. But I was I was at no point uh, in danger. Um, I had um, Serbian contingent guarding my house, so there was no. There was no way that somebody is gonna come and, and 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 get to me at that time so so all that is past and um you know that uh, that comment by um by knight's uh, um president you you've seen you seen how deep and how uneducated he is <laughs> so on the on the on, on the end of the day that's that's fine so it's uh, each to today on you know it's um on, on on the end of the day they um they could not respect my sort of uh, um background but we had to respect the days yeah so that's uh, that's that's how it is obviously now that it's all settled and um, everything is settled down and uh, people live um you know again in in peace in those uh, in those sort of uh, um, former yugoslav republics uh, everything is forgotten
1: You're right, Bobby. Of course, uh, we move on. You became the most successful strikers in the now defunct Australian National Soccer League. You're an out and right star, and you are the equivalent of the, you know, the Chris Judds, uh, the Nat Fifes, the Lance Buddy Franklins, if we can look at Australian rules football. You were the celebrity, you were the big name, and uh, of course, one of the all time greats holding that goal scoring record for the Perth glory. They were fantastic times, weren't they, for the club? Big crowds, success, and you look where the club is now, it's almost like chalk and cheese, isn't it?
0: Yeah, look, you know what, those, those days was, um, was novelty, you know, Nick Tanner and Paul Apkos gave people of Perth something to cheer about, you know, and uh, we all um, came back to play for this great club that they formed, and, uh, you know, we knew where we come from, we were here for the right reasons. We are, we are never in this for any money or anything like that. Yes, we got paid. Um, and we got paid well, don't get me wrong. But uh, on the end of the day, we were, we were living in WA. And like I said numerous times, we, we knew probably more than half of these people that come to support us. Mm. We have sort of an emotional attachment to them. They supported probably some of us when we played in the local um, leagues and stuff like that. So, so there was no, there was no sort of a sense in us going onto the park and and, and stuff. Up, we would give 150%. Sometimes that was good enough. Sometimes it wasn't. But if we we were respected by uh, by those 17, 18, 20,000 people. No, it was
1: uh, it was great days, and let's hope they return in the not too distant future. And Bobby, as we let you go, you made such a significant contribution to football in this state, Uh, as I said, one of the icons of the Perth Glory. You spent about five or six seasons in charge of the Perth Glory women's team, and many say, and she says it herself, Sam Kerr, that you were responsible for a lot of her development. Uh, How much pride do you take in when you see what Sam Kerr is doing these days?
0: Oh, look, um, absolutely, um, absolutely champion. You know, she, she worked very hard to get to where she is I did play a small part in that development of hers, and, uh, and hopefully um, you know uh, in, the, in the future, like I predicted that she is going to become the number one player in the world. Obviously, she is hovering about number two and number three all the time, but it will come um, for her to become the, the, the number one in the world, especially now, that she established herself in the European League.
1: Well, you're a great family man. Uh, your wife, Lydia, of course, a great supporter of yours. I think you've got three boys. Any of the boys likely to become the next Bobby Despotovsky, Mark 2?
0: Look, um, uh, they all play in their own right. Uh, one playing the first division. One is uh, coaching and playing uh, sort of uh, amateurs. And the uh, youngest one, Sebastian, is at the Glory Academy now in, in under 20s. So so I guess um, Chris Coyne and, uh, and, and the people at the... Uh, at uh, academy, who, whoever is at, at academy now, um, they are responsible to bring that this next uh, lot of people up, and um, you know they they do they do install very very um, sort of a strict regime with the, with the young kids, which I like, by the way, and um, you know they're training um, heavily and, and and hard for um, maybe next Damien Mori, maybe next um, Andre Gumprecht or <laughs> Nicky Merger or or whoever, you know, just just to bring people up.
1: Next, Bobby Despotovsky would be pretty good as well. Bobby, thanks for joining us. Uh, Our listeners have got to know you a bit better, other than just being, of course, a Perth Glory uh, star. Can I ask you, the World Cup starts midnight Sunday, our time. Your thoughts on how the Socceroos are likely to fare?
0: Look, um, they've got um, France. I believe in the, in the... First game, and in, then in Tunisia the
1: and, and Denmark.
0: And Denmark, yes. Um, you know what? I, I'm expecting OK going against Tunisia. I don't expect anything from uh, from Denmark and, and, and France game. But, you know, un, unknown sort of a team at this point of time. A lot of local talent. Uh, they're going to be unknown to the opposition as well. And they can stun, um, you know, Denmark. They can send, um France if they relax. Uh, Australia uh, has a couple of attributes, which is fight hard and fight for 120 minutes, even though you play night, yeah. which is a which is good attribute to have. And maybe they're going to stun a
1: couple of teams. Well, Bobby, you played for the Socceroos as well. So uh, a celebrated career. Thanks for joining us, mate. And uh, we look forward to keeping in touch here on SENWA. No problem. Thanks, Pete. Good on you. Bobby Despotovsky, we got to know him a bit better and certainly that very turbulent period about 20 years ago. It's 26-6 to six, and congratulations to WA. They've just beaten South Australia in the 50-over uh, Marsh Cup match. I'll give you all the details after the break.